We are so happy that you are able to join us for today's message. Our hope is that it will encourage you in your walk with God and inspire you to reach those who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm excited for tonight. I've got a word that I feel is going to be really encouraging and timely, but I sort of want to start with a question. And I guess this could just be me, okay? So if this is not you, I'm just going to uh, throw myself under the bus here right now. But there's one text uh, I hate receiving, uh, and there's one text I hate sending. And maybe you're in the same boat. It's particularly when you're busy or there's a lot going on, and you get that text that says, where are you? Okay, and husbands don't raise your hand uh, in this moment. Or, or maybe you, you sent that text because, you know, you're busy, you have to be somewhere at some point in time, someone promises they'll be there at this time, the time has come and it's passed and they're not there, and you're like, I'm sending it, where are you? Yeah, yeah, okay, we've got some, got some friends here. Uh, lately, you know, this is a text I've been receiving, and I'm taking full responsibility that, for that. We have two children, one that's not two yet, and one that's nearly two months old. So my wife, she carries a lot. I love my wife. She's a, a busy, fantastic woman of God, fantastic, fantastic wife, and a fantastic mother of my children. And uh, sometimes, you know, I'm just not with it. After a big day at church, praying and doing what us pastors do, and fasting and praying and reading the Bible and seeking the Lord, uh, because I know that's what you think we do. And, uh, you know, she'll say, where are you? And I'll say, I'll be home in 20 minutes. Come 25 minutes. I'm not home. I get the text, where are you? My fault. But I want to tell you a story about this time I was living in Japan. And me and my wife were dating before I moved to Japan. So uh, Pastor Jared suggested near towards the end of the year that I was living there, it'd be a good idea for Fatima and her sister to come visit uh, me in Japan. So as you do... You know, Christian dating couple, a good place to go when you're in Japan is Disneyland. Okay, so we organized to go to Tokyo Disney. So I said to my wife and her sister, okay, meet me in Yokohama Station right here. I took them to the spot. Meet me right here at 7 o'clock in the morning because you have to catch a bus from Yokohama to Tokyo Disney. And I was like, have you got that? This look around. Yeah, you sure where you are? Lots of people around. Meet me here at 7 o'clock. So I got there at 7 o'clock. 7.10 went past, 7.20, 7.30. Now, you've got to understand, we're in Japan. My wife has an Australian phone. There's no internet. She doesn't have a Japanese number. I'm at the right spot. So I say, when she tells the story, it's totally different. She's at the right spot. But eventually, she uh, finds some money, grabs a payphone, rings me, and says, where are you? And I said, where are you? I'm here. She said, no, I'm here. Long story short, we eventually found each other within the thousands and thousands of people that are in that station. We got on the bus, went to Disneyland, had a great day. But where are you? And uh, this is a question. This is a question I want to sort of answer because, you know, in this time of unrest or when you find yourself in a position that you're not familiar with, not just geographically, but maybe a position in life, you find, hey, I'm not used to this. I haven't been here before. You can begin to ask yourself the question, where am I? Because unless you know where I am, it's hard to know where to go next. Come on, why the, why the heck are you buying toilet paper? I don't know, that's what everybody else is doing, so I'm just going to do it as well. We just get confused what the next step to do is when we've never been in that situation before. Can I get an amen? amen. So that's why I've titled my message tonight, and I know they put it up early, but it is, Where Am I? Turn to the person next to you and say, where are you? <laughs> We're at church, fantastic. 
That's actually a church location. Someone's trying to work it out. Where am I? And this is a question that I want to turn to the Bible. I want to sort of, sort of unpack this question tonight. Can I do that? And this is totally coincidental, uh, where in fact, I believe it's from God. I, in fact, started studying this scripture about four weeks ago. And I know right now everyone's talking about COVID-19, but this is from Luke 17, 1 to 19. And it is a, it is a story about where Jesus encounters 10 people with leprosy. Funny enough, I did not pick this story. You need to know this. This is God speaking uh, uh, right now. But in this story, as we start in Luke 17 verse 11, we just got to understand because the writer of this book, Luke, who is a physician, he's writing to a, a rich man called Theopolis and he's giving him an accurate account of the life and the stories of Jesus. And it starts off by telling us where Jesus is. It gives us a location point of where Jesus is. It says that Jesus is on his way to a place called Jerusalem. And this is where Jesus' final resting place would be, where he would die and be resurrected. So it's not really his final resting place, but this is his last mission on earth. But it says in my King James Version, come on, we're getting holy tonight. It says in verse 11, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst, or the border, of a place called Samaria and Galilee. Now Samaria was a place that was full of people called Samaritans, funny enough. And Galilee was a place that was predominantly Jewish people. So we had Jewish people, Jews and Samaritans. Now, to, to put it politically, Jews and Samaritans, they didn't see eye to eye and everything. In fact, they didn't like each other. But it says here Jesus is. He's walking on the border, the outskirts of both cities. And on the outskirts of both cities, it says he encounters 10 outcasts from either city. Verse 12, it says, as he entered the certain village, there met him 10 that were lepers, 10 men that were lepers. That's not leopards. This is lepers, which stood afar off. They had leprosy. You've got to understand something about leprosy. Leprosy was a debilitating disease. In fact, leprosy was the most uh, uh, infectious virus of the time. In fact, leprosy was so contagious that no matter where, whether you were the boss or you were bust, whether you were the prince or whether you were poor, if you got leprosy instantly, you would have to isolate yourself from everybody else. This is why they're on the outskirts of town. You would have to isolate yourself from your family. Come on. You would have to isolate yourself from your work. You'd call up your boss and say, I'm not coming in today or tomorrow or potentially forever. I'm, I'm moving out of town because I've got leprosy. Leprosy was devastating because leprosy isolated you from everybody else. Come on. I can see some parallels to what's happening right now. When you got leprosy, you began to realize the things that seemed so important to you before when faced with this, this disease seemed the level of importance would reduce. Because all of a sudden, all you were concerned about was returning to your old life. The things that mattered were your family. The things that mattered were your friends. But here were 10 outcasts on the skirts, outskirts of Galilee and Samaria. And although they were Jews and Samaritans and they had different views, what they both had, which was leprosy, united them together. And here are these 10 men that are afar it says they are far off from Jesus. Now, we learn in the Bible that when you had leprosy, the closest you could come to somebody was 100 paces. Now, I know we don't use paces anymore, so I'll give it to you in Australian English. They were 76 meters 
away. That's about four times the size of this auditorium apart. So this is the distance if you had leprosy. Come on, this is some contagion right now that you had to stay away from someone else that didn't have leprosy. They were far off. And then they says in verse 13, it says they lifted up their voices and they yelled out to Jesus. They yelled out, yo, 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 Jesus. Yo, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And, and it says that Jesus, Jesus saw them. Okay, like, like Jesus didn't know that, that they were going to be there. Like, this is, that's a total, a whole other sermon. But Jesus knew they were going to be there. And I picture Jesus, he's, he, he hears from a distance them saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And he looks up. And I love Jesus' response to these people. And, and I'm going to break this down for you because Jesus is 76 meters away from these people with leprosy. And Jesus says to them in verse 14, it says, When he saw them, he said unto them, get this, he says, Go show yourself to the priests. Yo! Go show yourselves to the priests. And I picture the ten men with, with leprosy. You know, they're far away and they're like, what do you say? Because they're expecting him for, for, come on, Jesus didn't give them ten steps to get healing or said you're healed. He gives them an instruction. So I picture the guy, you know, because they have leprosy. This is just how my brain works, people. Can we, can we just talk about There's the one guy with leprosy. He hasn't eaten for a while, so he's like, what did he say? I think he said, the best tasting bread is bread made with yeast. <laughs> and the guy next to him, he's, he's been there for a long time. He's a bit jaded. He said, nah, nah, he's just like everybody else. He said, stay away from me, you beasts. <laughs> but then the third guy, see, he was quite new. He, 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 he just recently contracted leprosy, so his ears hadn't fallen off yet. He said, nah. He said, nah, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And I'm like, oh, yeah, high five, high five. <laughs> go show yourselves to the priests. I mean, come on, we know the end of the story. We know that Jesus heals. They're just on a hunch, you know, they, they heard that there's this guy and potentially he heals and they thought this was their moment. Come on, this is my mo moment to get back to my family. And instead of being healed on the spot, Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. Now, you've got to understand the reason why they had to show themselves to the priests was because the priests made the decision when you had leprosy and you felt you were healed, you'd go see the priest and you'd go see the priest and the priest would look over you. And if you're clean, he was the one who declared you clean. And he's the one that would allow you or give you authority for you to return to your normal life. So Jesus was sticking to the law. He was afar off. Come on, he was sovereign, but he was not silly. He still abided by the law. He said, you know what? This is what you need to do. But you're not picturing because what happens in this story next is baffling because it would have seemed silly. Like, come on, Jesus, we still have leprosy. I mean, it's embarrassing. That's why we're on the outskirts of our town. And you're telling us to go as we are. We're not even healed yet. We're not even here. We're exactly the same. And you want us to walk through the city where our friends and family uh, know who we are and go and see the priest? Come on, Jesus. That's just, that's just mean. But that's what Jesus says. 
But they did it anyway. Because it says in verse 14, And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. When they began to step out in faith, you know, I don't know about you, but if I want something from Jesus, I sort of want the whole story before I start moving. Come on, do I have any friends in this place? Come on, oh, Jesus, I'm going through a hard time right now. Just tell me how it's going to end and then give me the direction. And then when I know it's all good and it's going to end like this, then I'll start moving. But these guys had to start moving. Come on, that's what we call faith. They had to start moving. And it wasn't until they started to move. It wasn't until they took the first step. It wasn't until they began to walk that they realized that they were cleansed. I don't know about you, friend. But sometimes we can get a word from afar. Come on. We can hear a sermon or we can read our Bible and Jesus can give us a word from afar. But until we start walking, come on, we don't see the breakthrough. Until we start stepping out and saying, God, you know what? I take you at your word. If you say go, I go. Do we get healed? And I could say to you, friend, come on, that's my sermon. You've heard the word of God. Stop sitting there. Let's do something about it. Let's do the old call Jesus' name. Amen. See you later. And that would be a fantastic story. Thank you, Pastor. God's been speaking to me. I'm going to do it. I want to be healed. I want to have a great life. But this is not where the story ends. Because something I find perplexing happens in the next verse. It says in verse 15, it says, And one of them, when he was saw he was healed, turned back. What? Come on, you've just been healed. I can imagine the jubilation. The leprosy falls off. All of a sudden, they're all healed. I would have just kept running to see the priest and to hug my wife and my two babies. Come on, don't act so Christian. You do the same thing. But it says one of them stops. And it says he turns back, and with a loud voice, he begins to glorify God. And not only that, verse 16, it says, And he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And not only that, he was a Samaritan. Jesus was a Jew, and here's a Samaritan who's supposed to hate the Jewish people, yet here's the one who turns around and realizes, hey, this may have cost me, because only if I see the priest, I can see I'm healed, but unless I see the priest, I'm still not going back to my family. But I'm willing to jeopardize that, because he understood in that moment something powerful had happened. He said, this is where I was. Now this is where I am healed, but I'm growing the wrong way. That there's something so true about that voice back then. I love this. The man turns around to the one who would later say, I'm the truth and I'm the way and I'm the life. And he falls at his feet because he realizes in that instant that there's something supernatural happening here. That he can't miss the opportunity. That the breakthrough is not about having your life restored, but there's something more powerful going on. There's something I can attain in this moment that far surpasses just having my life back together or having my life go forward. There's something else going on. Where am I? And Jesus answered, said, where are there not ten cleansed? And where are they? Where are the other nine? They are not 
found and returned to give glory to God, save this stranger, but this stranger. And he said unto them, you got to get this, arise, go your way, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Nine were cleansed, one was cleansed and made whole. Nine were cleansed, one was cleansed and found something more. Friend, I want to tell you, nine had their life restored, but one not only had their life restored, but found eternal life. Nine found wholeness back with their family, but one found wholeness with the creator of the universe. I want to encourage you, there was something powerful, there was something this man obtained. When he returned, he found wholeness in Jesus Christ. Friend, I want to encourage you as a Christian or as a person in life who maybe doesn't believe in Christianity or God, having our life together should not be our goal. It's a great thing, don't get me wrong. If you don't have your life together, it's great to have a good life. Our ambition in life should not be to be just successful on this earth and have good things and have great family. All this stuff is good. But our goal should be to be whole. Our goal should, to be, should be to be whole. I got it together in the end. It's like a rap. Our goal should be whole. To be whole. I'm just going to move on. That's the goal. And you're early. But this wholeness, but this wholeness, this, because I can picture the, the other 10, the other nine. I mean, what's this guy doing? Like, it seems a bit strange. Come, not only is he a Samaritan, which is already an outcast, but now he's going to be a Samaritan Christian, a Samaritan Jesus follower. Can we admit that sometimes in this pursuit of wholeness it's a little bit weird it doesn't make sense to those who are looking from afar I've got my word from God I'm good my life is good but what the heck are you doing why is it that you would even consider to give up your job and help plan a church on the other side of the country why would you do that why would you give your finances to a church to God why would you do that why would you give your finances to a child and a family on the other side of the world that you may never see? Why would you do that from a distance? It looks strange. But friend, when you encounter, when you come into the presence of God, what you value begins to change. What Jesus finds valuable begins to become valuable for you. What you used to find was the, was the goal. Those who valued things, people around you said, this is what you need to do. All of a sudden, those things begin to lose value when you have an encounter with Jesus. Friend, it's about proximity. Where am I? Where am I with Jesus? It's about proximity to Jesus that makes the difference. Friend, I want to tell you, you know, there was a man who was lowered through a roof, basically to the feet of Jesus. And not only did he get his healing, but in the proximity of Jesus, he walked away. The Bible says, with his sins forgiven. Come on. It was a woman who pushed through the crowd on her knees and she said to herself, if I could just grab the hem of Jesus' clothes, I shall be healed. Come on. It was Zacchaeus who stood on a tree from a distance, but it wasn't until Jesus came to his house and said, I'm going to eat with you, that he says that salvation comes to this house. 
it's about proximity. The disciples, come on, it says in Acts 4 verse 13, it says that the, the religious scholars of the day looked at Jesus' disciples and it says they were dumbfounded because these were unschooled, uneducated men. But it says in verse 13, they took note that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Proximity to Jesus changes everything. Where are you? Where am I? When you encounter Jesus, we become whole. I am out of time. Thanks, Isaac. But as you stand to your feet, I want to finish with one thing. Because after the, the man is there and Jesus says that your faith has made you whole. He also says to the man, arise and go. Go thy way, in the King Jimmy version. For thee faith has made thee whole. The man didn't stay there at the feet of Jesus. Because when you encounter Jesus, it says in the word that Jesus the Spirit of God comes into your life. That you don't have to be around Jesus anymore. In fact, Jesus lives in you. Friend, I want to encourage you. When you get around somebody, you, come, you, you become like them. I don't want people to become like me. Okay, although I think I'm pretty good sometimes. But I know me better than you know me. I don't want people to, to come around me and be like me. I don't want them to catch what's on me. I want, to, want them to catch what's living in me. Friend, it's the Spirit of God that changes a life. And it can start tonight for you with a simple prayer. A simple prayer that it's not just about a word that's afar, but you can come into proximity with the Spirit of God that will live in you. And friend, will change every aspect of your life. Where are you tonight? With every head bowed, every eye closed. For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com.